few years ago, we had a little tradition around here that um, if I would affirm that God is good, you would respond all the time. And then I would give the refrain all the time, and then you would respond. Let's try that again. God is good. All the time. We're going to test you a little bit here to see if you really believe that in just a moment. But uh, I know that most of the time we believe it. Um, there are those occasions where we're challenged in that belief. We'll t- we're going to talk about that in just a minute. This uh, past week has been an experiment for a lot of us. If you were here last Sunday, we began a new series, and the first talk out of the series was God is Great. One of the things that we're going to make the case for today is that God can be and is good because He's great. He's great enough to be good. And uh, we were talking about one of the ways that uh, we would have to show or demonstrate His greatness during the week is that He would prompt some of us, He would stir us to do something good for someone else. Sometimes uh, maybe in, in kind of unusual or unique ways. And I had given you the story about the guy that had walked into a sporting goods store and uh, saw a manager having a bad day. And God said, go over and tell that guy you're going to pray for him. And he did. And there were some wonderful, there were some good things that came out of that. So I challenged us to do the same thing, acknowledging that we don't always hear God really well. I said, well, then let's just ask God to pinch us. God, would you pinch me? If you want me to do something good this week. And uh, I got pinched. Um, I got pinched to the point of I was supposed to give you donuts, this section over here. And so uh, I brought some crispy. Some of you are going to want to move now. huh? I brought some crispy crisps. Who wants a I don't care if you want to die or whatever. If you want to uh, have one little exemption moment. Wow, that is really close. Who wants a Krispy Kreme? Yes? Yeah? Okay. Napkins? I, I know what Krispy Kremes are like. Anybody? Yes? That's awful shy, but I'm going to let you get one anyway. All right. Yes? You're, you're eating for two, so go right ahead. Okay. Phil, you're just too comfortable. Will you, will you help me with this? Will you take care of the rest of that section? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm not a diet, dude. So, yeah, that's, I knew you were, so take care of that section. With, now, honestly, God pinched me twice, so uh, I have some for this section, too. Um, now, that section is very plain, and so they all got plain. This section is, is varied and diverse, so we have all the kinds of... Who on this side wants a donut? Boy, Linda, I've never seen you volunteer about anything so quickly. There you go. I may not get past this row. The Browns all want one. Yes? Okay. Take a couple. Good. Take three. Okay. Yes? Your new parents. You got to for the second time. Oh, you're doing good, Karen. So quiet, I didn't even notice that. Okay. We still going? Yes? Okay. Grab an napkin there. 
What about it? Yes? 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 I'm going to let you help me hand out the rest of them, okay? Save one for yourself. I'm still seeing hands back there. Okay, real quick. Get the rest of them out there. Was there any left there, Phil? No? No? If they get all the way back to the sound guy, Zach, going up to the sound guy, I don't think they're going to get there. So. All right. Well, that was my pinch. And uh, that pinch kind of happened by way of my hearing a guy tell a story. He was uh, doing some traveling, and he had to uh, have a little layover in one of the cities that he was uh, uh, laid over. And he went into the food court, and he decided he wanted some donuts. And so he went to this little shop, and he gets a, a bag of some small donuts, and he gets a coffee. And he goes out into the food court so he can sit down and have his donut and coffee and wait for his flight. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but he gets out into the food court, and it's just packed with people. There is not a vacant table anywhere. And so he's scanning and he's kind of looking to see, is there anybody that's just about to finish and get up? Because he was just going to kind of hover over that table until they got up and got, have you ever done that? And, you know, he, he doesn't spy anything like that. But he does see one table where a guy is sitting at this table for four all by himself. And so uh, he decides he'll go over and see if the guy will share the table and he can sit on one side and have his coffee and his donuts. So he goes over and he doesn't really talk to the guy. He just kind of points to the chair and nods like, is that okay? And the guy nods back and says, sure. So he takes off his backpack, you know, and he puts it in the chair. He takes off his jacket and lays it over the chair. He sets his donuts down and he gets into the chair. Obviously, he's a little bit harried and tired. And he does that sigh, you know, where you're taking kind of a breath of relief. And he takes his coffee and he flips the lid and he begins to sip it a little bit. And he's relaxing for a moment. And then he reaches over and he grabs that bag of donuts. And he opens it up and he takes out a donut and he closes it back up and sets it down. Takes that bite of donut. Has that sip of coffee. And then the second guy who's at the table just also reaches over to the bag of donuts. (laughs) Opens it up. Takes one out closes it up, sets it back down, and kind of nods at him like, thanks a lot. (laughs) So he's sitting there eating the donut. Well, the first guy is livid. He's like, who does this guy think he is? He just stole a donut from me. He's kind of getting worked up about it, and he's about to say something. He goes, but you know what? He may not be all there. I don't want to get him riled up. You know, he may explode or something on me. It's just a donut. I'll let it go. And so he's finishing his donut, and he's sipping his coffee, and he's watching people and all that. And he decides he wants another, and he opens up the bag, and he takes out a second donut, and he closes it back up. But this time, he keeps that bag all the way on his side of the table, (laughs) as far away from guy number two as he can. And about the time he lifts his cup to sip his coffee, the second guy reaches all the way across the table and grabs the bag of donuts, opens it up, takes out a second one, closes it back up, puts it back on the table, and nods as if to say, hey, thank you. Well, now the first guy is about to explode. You know, he's about to pop a cork. He's just so mad he cannot believe he, out of all the people in the airport, he's sitting with a donut thief. (laughs) 
he's just he's losing his mind over this, and he can't hardly enjoy his donut, and he's afraid to say anything. And about that time, apparently this guy acknowledges that it's time for him to catch his flight. So he reaches back to the bag of donuts, opens it up. There's only one left, pulls it out, breaks it in half, puts part of it in his mouth, puts the other on the bag and shoves it back over to the guy and, you know, gives him that signal like, have a good day and walks off to catch his flight. The first guy is just losing his mind. How can this donut thief have half my bag of donuts and then give me a half? I'm not. What kind of disease does that guy probably have? I'm not touching that half of a donut. And uh, he, he's just beside himself and he, he's pondering it. And he's angry and he's got that scowl on his look and his heart rate is up. And he finally looks at his watch and it's like time for him to catch his own flight. So he gets up and he puts his jacket on, you know, he starts to get his backpack and put that on. And there's his bag of donuts. He had been eating the other guy's donuts. And suddenly he realizes this guy that he thought was taking his donuts was sharing his donuts. And when I heard that guy tell that story, I'm thinking, how much are we like that with God? God owns all the donuts. And he often, because he's good, shares his donuts with us. And yet, the way it sometimes happens, we think he's taking donuts from us when he's sharing donuts with us. I want you to ponder that for a few minutes as we talk about the goodness of God. We're doing this in the context of a children's prayer because I think God's inviting us these days to pray like children. That is to say, in a childlike way where we can continue to be awed by Him, to be impressed by Him, to be stirred by Him, and like children, to be responsive to Him. So we check cynicism. We check skepticism at the door. And in childlike ways, experience God. The uh, prayer of reference that uh, some of you learned as children that we're talking about is God is good. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And we'll uh, be talking about the rest of that prayer over the next couple of weeks. But today, because God is great, God is good. God is so great that with six billion plus people on this planet, he can pay attention to what's going on in you. He can pay attention to what's happening to a guy in an airport who thinks he's having his donuts taken. He can pay attention to a manager in a store who's having a bad day. 
He can pay attention to people that have been in your traffic patterns this past week. And so I wonder, do any of you have stories where God pinched you this past week and you take just a minute and say, hey, here's how it played out for me. Anybody? Anyone got one over here? Take that one. All right. Mr. Commander. I have a colleague at work, and we were just sitting there chatting about work, and somehow it segued into how I grew up and the rather dysfunctional nature of my growing up years. I grew up in an alcoholic home and that sort of thing. And um, he was being inquisitive about how I seemed to be so normal. And I said, well, you know, I... I, uh, became a Christian at age 14 and, and uh, the power of Christ really transformed me despite the set of circumstances. This conversation probably lasted for about 40 minutes, but what was so stunning for me was how bold I was. Hmm. For the first time in my adult life, I was no longer apologetic about my witness. Thank you. 40 minutes. Good story. Alright, Steve. Liam will let you hand that back to Steve. I got uh, my first nudge sitting right here last week at the end of the service, and I guess there was a reason for that, because I was, all of a sudden, I was, um, I saw a really good friend of mine here, Oh, and he was sitting right behind me. I could have turned around and looked at him and seen him, but I didn't need to, because he was right there and he was right here, and, uh, and it was Juan de la Paz, and so... It was very powerful. So at the end of the service, uh, I was leaving here, and he was standing by himself at the back aisle. He was by himself. So I went back, and I put him, my arms around him, and I just told him, I said, you are filling up my heart right now. So if there's anything I can do, if I have any prayer I can say for you this week, let me know what it is. And... Uh, that night, I got an email from uh, Juan, and he had just found out the previous week that his sister has cancer. Mm. So I've been praying for Patty in Brownsville, Texas, all week. And her children, Enrique, who's uh, 28, he's in Austin, Texas. Mm. Eddie, and Eddie, who's 24. Gabby, who's just graduated from high school, they both live at home in Brownsville, so... That's been a full week for me praying for Amen. and for the entire family. Amen. So that's it. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. <coughs> While I'm over here, anybody else in this section? Yeah? Okay. So uh, Wednesday I was standing in line at Starbucks and uh, noticed this lady. She had a very pronounced look. She's had some disability. And she looked at me and she said, I need to get through here. And there was two travelers full of coffee that she needed to carry. And I definitely felt God's nudge. And I asked her, hey, would you like me to help you carry this out to your car? And her face lit up and she's like, oh, that'd be awesome. So I carry the travelers out to her car. And she's just been thanking me all the way there. And 
I put him in her car, and she goes, can I give you, she goes, can I give you a hug? And I said, okay, sure. And I gave her a hug, and I said, God bless you. And she goes, I was just about to say that to you. <laughs> so I come back into Starbucks, and I'm standing there getting my coffee, and the lady at the counter said, the coffee's on us for you helping, the, helping her carry the coffee out. So. And the power that I felt, and the, the, just the joy and peace and grace I felt at the time was, was pretty strong. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. So when you asked us to pray, I was like, okay, how am I going to be a help to anybody this week? Because I'm going to stay at home <laughs> with my baby and do nothing. So I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to bless anybody other than changing a diaper. <laughs> Which is so. a, a blessing. <laughs> but... Um, my pinch came in the form of a prayer request email. Um, one of my friends wasn't able to feed her child with as much milk as she needed. Um, she didn't have enough breast milk to feed uh, her. So uh, I've been stocking up just like a just-in-case thing just because I had too much. And so I had a bunch of breast milk in my freezer, and so I was able to give that to her. Which is it? It blesses me more than I feel like it blesses her. Amen. Maybe the most unusual pinch in the room today. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sarah. Um, I I got an unexpected call, an accidental call from a friend this week who turned out to butt dial me. (laughs) It was quite a surprise because we never we never talked to each other. It's not like I was her most recent call or anything. Um, for her to call me, but she has a new baby, having all kinds of problems, uh, problems with milk, problems with soy, um, reflux, just not sleeping, and she was at the end of her rope and hadn't slept in a couple of days, mm-hmm. and uh, so course, I offered to pray for her, and uh, it, was, it was amazing because I heard back from her the next day, I didn't have to go to her and ask how it was going, um, and back from her, your prayers worked, he slept all night, oh, wow. which hadn't yeah. happened in forever, with only waking up, her waking him up for the normal feedings. Mm-hmm. But she, she got some much-needed rest, and things have been really improving since then. Okay. Amen. <coughs> All right. Anybody else back here? Coming up? Yeah. So I, too, was wondering how I was going to um, do this being at home, too. And I um, received attention my own family, uh, which I was surprised about. And uh, I know I'd gone off to school and had a kerfuffle. And there, he was wronged by somebody. And they're both over the line. And he's wronged him back a little further over the line. So he got blasted at school. And um, Okay, so there's, a, there's consequences being knitted out at school and at home and stuff. And... Uh, Gee, you know, he's just a wounded soul. You know, these kids tease me, and he's just very upset. And, um, so I ended up uh, emailing the teacher and saying, you know, yeah, we uh, re-debriefed him. We're trying to set him up for success tomorrow and everything. It's like, but you know, so this kid has such a strong sense of justice. 
you know, what's fair and what's right and what's not and stuff, and he's just wounded. And these teachers, um, instead of, like, missing recess and he picked up trash and stuff, which is, I guess, a usual consequence, um, took him into the counselor's office, and he had a sense of being able to see that um, justice was kind of met out a little bit, and he got to see that the kids that were teasing him also had consequences too and it wasn't like oh I asked for help and then I got in trouble but you know everybody was um, dealt with fairly and so he had he came home bouncing from school and he had a good day and uh, he had a sense of that justice was served mm-hmm. so yeah. anyway so the teachers in turn blessed him it was sort of like a chain of <laughs> alright thank you for sharing that <laughs> okay alright I like the kerfluffle, whatever that is. It's pretty cool. But um, Thursday night we had a share group, and Christina is in my share group, and she said, did you see the article in Seattle Times about the rapture that's supposed to be happening on Saturday? And I hadn't, and I thought, well, what an opportunity to share God in, in the office. And we had a, a, one of our, our my coworkers is 70 years old and feels a little bit left out a lot and so we went walking on that beautiful sunny day on Friday and then we started chatting about this rapture day mm-hmm. and we got back into the office and there's another gal that's a Christian and the three of us were in a little triangle shouting out scripture and all that kind of stuff and everybody that wasn't a Christian had to hear us just because so it was kind of like um, opportunity to talk about God at the same time share with those that we really don't share much about and do it publicly and um, we just kind of defied PC which was pretty cool and we all pinched everybody in, in that process because they all had an awareness of the scripture what the scripture says about the rapture is that mm-hmm. it comes as a thief in the night and, um, and and even one of the gals said they don't know their scripture very well if they say, if they, if they, say they can predict it because Jesus said you're not supposed to. So it's very cool because she's only like 23. So we had a really special time. So God pinched me to speak out, and then we all had this great discussion in the office. All right. Thank you. Okay. So thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, we're actually not through with that. We're going to do that again next week. So you have the same assignment that uh, God might stir you, speak into your life, pinch you, if, if you will, uh, about doing something good for someone else. We'll talk more about that in a minute. As we get into uh, thinking about this biblically, I want us to reflect from uh, Psalm 139. So if you have a Bible, we're going to read several verses from that in just a moment. Before we get to that, I was reminded of what the Lord said to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter one, verse five. The Lord is telling him before I formed you in the womb. I knew you. That's how great God is before we're conceived. He knows us before you were born. I consecrated you. That is to say, God has plans. And some of the plans that played out this past week 
that just seemed like a little something? God planned it before you were born. He always has full knowledge and full awareness of every minute detail and circumstance that's going on in this universe. And He's always at work with His people, you and me, to be His agents to make a difference in His his creation, His world. So before... You were conceived before you were born. I knew you. I had plans for you. Then in Psalm 139 that we're going to read now, just take note of some of the things the psalmist will be awed by with respect to God. First of all, that he's known. That you would know me is remarkable. In fact, he says, it's too wonderful for me. Have you ever had a moment where something just felt too wonderful? He said, you knitted me together in the womb. That is to say, in a poetic fashion, all the intricacies that are a part of who I am. You did that. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist will say. You saw the days that were formed for me. That is to say, however many days you get in this life. Thousands, millions of days, he sees them all. Let's look at the text. The psalmist says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. How mundane is that, that he knows you're sitting and rising? You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb and I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And then one more reflection on the scriptures, and that's from Paul in Ephesians 2.10. When he says, we are his, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good 
works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God's plan out of his greatness is that he would extend his goodness through you. He has good works planned for you to do all the days of your life. Is that good news? I think it's thrilling. I, I, I just stuns me that God is so big and God is so great. God is so magnificent that he can know intricately and intimately every being on this planet and throughout all of history have every day known and be, being aware of it, having plans for how they get spent and how goodness is extended through our lives. Let me ask you this. If God were to somehow manifest himself in this room today, right now, and out of his manifestation, he spoke to you. Let's just say audibly, which I've never heard, but it's that clear. What if God were to say to you, I have good plans for you. I am going to make your life count forever. Would that be awesome? He has, in fact, said that. And one of those cases in point is that he did that with a guy by the name of Joseph. Now, the reason that we have the Joseph story in Genesis 37 through 47 is so that God can illustrate for us what his goodness in us looks like when it gets played out. Because sometimes it looks like as God's sharing his donuts, we think he's taking the donuts. Are you following me? Sometimes he says, here's a good thing. I'm going to bless you with goodness beyond your comprehension. And we're like, yes, bring it on. And then we're going, I don't think that's good. And so God tells Joseph through a dream, I've got good plans for you. Throughout the days of your life, I'm going to be at work in such a way that I'm going to save my people and thereby save the world. Now, most of you know the rest of the story. There's going to come a time where there is such a famine in this part of the world that Joseph lives in and where his family lives. There's such a famine to such an extent for so many years. The Hebrew people were literally in danger of dying away from starvation and in case you miss that, if the Hebrew people die, Jesus is never born. And if Jesus is never born, sin is never atoned for. And if sin's not atoned for, you're never forgiven. If you're never forgiven, you're never reconciled to God and saved from eternal condemnation. This is a big deal. Way bigger than Joseph knows. And so God says, I'm going to do some things in you, and it's going to result in you having great influence. This is going to be awesome and wonderful. And Joseph made the mistake of telling his brothers about it. They didn't receive the news too well since he was the youngest and apparently the favorite of his father. And so uh, on one occasion, when they were away from home, out tending some flocks, they beat the boy up. Then they tossed him down into a pit to let him die. 
I don't know about you, that doesn't look too good to me right now. Here's a guy who is physically wounded and emotionally scarred. And the feelings that go with betrayal, how do you even describe that? And then they have a change of mind, and here come some Ishmaelite traders, and so they yank him out of the pit, and they sell him as a slave to these traders who take him on down into Egypt, and they sell him to the captain in the Egyptian army. And there he is, perplexed, confused, in pain, wondering where the goodness of God is. And God's integrity has been working in his heart. He gets sideways with the captain's wife. He's totally innocent. She says he isn't. It's she said, he said, he goes to jail. Now he's in jail like, God, what am I doing here? This is the good plan you have for my life? And he's there day after day, month after month, year after year, until an occasion arises with the king of Egypt where he needs somebody that can do what only Joseph can do. God had given Joseph this ability to interpret dreams. And so he calls for Joseph out of the prison. Joseph has an audience before the king. The king tells him a dream. Joseph interprets the dream. It has everything to do with a coming drought and a coming famine that's going to go on for years. But God has spoken into Joseph's heart, gives him a strategy about how Egypt can prepare for that. And the king says, there's nobody that can implement that strategy better than you. You do it. And he takes him from the king, takes Joseph from the prison and elevates him to the number two position of power in all of Egypt. And as he is implementing this strategy to prepare for famine, when the famine comes, they have many storehouses full of grain and full of food so that nobody in Egypt is suffering. So much so that people from other lands are coming to Egypt to see if they can buy food. And in that process, Joseph's brothers come to see if they can buy food. Now, they've long lost their brother. They figured he's probably dead by now. So nobody's more shocked than they when they realize their brother is now the second most powerful man in Egypt. He has the power to crush them, to take out vengeance on them. But because God is good and doing good things in and through Joseph, he not only forgives them, but he blesses them. And in such a way that the Hebrew people are blessed and sustained. And many generations later comes Jesus. Let's suppose, as God's showing up with us today, that God said to you, you know what, I'm going to bless you with a unique ability to be able to see the things of God. I'm going to bless you with a unique ability to see like I see, so that you'll uh, discern some of the things that I'm doing in this world. Would that be good or what? Well, think about it for a moment, because that's exactly what he did with John the Baptist. And he allowed John the Baptist to see as God sees. And John was able to see this is a day of salvation. This is the day that the Messiah is to come. 
And in fact, John was entrusted with a mission to go throughout the land and prepare people for the coming of the Messiah. How? What a great job would that be? Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. Repent. Prepare your heart. Turn your life around. Uh, be ready for, the, for what God has promised for centuries to take place right now. How awesome would that be? And as you know, the story, many thousands repented. And he ended up baptizing people in a baptism of repentance by the thousands. So that he even took on the name John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. But as you're able to see, as God sees... Not only the promises that God is bringing, you're also able to see sin as God sees and the coming condemnation that goes with that. And so in his call for repentance, in his call for people to turn their hearts toward God in readiness for the Messiah, he didn't exclude anybody. He said even the king needs to repent. And he specifically commented, the king needs to repent of his adulterous relationship with the woman who actually belongs to his brother. Well, that didn't set too well with the king. Next thing you know, John's arrested. John's in prison. And John is wondering, God, is this good? And God says, assuredly, it is good. In fact, Jesus' commentary about John is that there's never been a man of faith to please the Heavenly Father like John. But you know the rest of the story. That ended up costing him his head. The king has this uh, blowout of a party one night, gets a little intoxicated, and is so overcome by his lust with this little striptease dance that goes on with this little gal that he ends up having John beheaded. A man upon whom the favor of God rested unlike any other man. So friends, when we say that God is good and God has good plans for you and God is going to make a good eternal difference through your life. And we, we confess together, yes, he is good all the time. We have to remember that sometimes... His good ways don't look like they're playing out in good detail for us. When God's goodness crashes against the world's evil, we sometimes suffer because of it. God is good. All the time. What good things might he be up to with you, through you, around you? One of the stories that we heard a moment ago somebody uh, got pinched by God in a Starbucks. Somebody else got pinched at home caring for a baby. Somebody else gets pinched at work. Somebody else gets pinched right in this very room. So on we go. Friends, those pinches, if you will, those touches from God, those stirrings, those promptings, if you will, that's about Him doing 
good things in you than through you. And the call that we have today is this. Will you just be a blessing? Would you become a habitual blesser? So that anytime God wants to bring a blessing to someone else in whatever simplistic scenario we might imagine, He can do that right through you. Now here's what happens in our world. Our world gets divided up into various silos, right? You have this governmental silo. You have this educational silo. You have this business silo. You have this kind of healthcare silo. We could go on. There's, you know, like a dozen of them, whatever. And people of faith come along, and we have this, like, church silo. And God's like, no, I'm not looking for you to be segmented in a silo like all the other segments of society. I'm looking for you to be salt. And so I'm going to sprinkle you in the government silo and sprinkle you in the uh, educational silo and sprinkle you in the healthcare silo and sprinkle you within the business silo and so on. I'm going to have you in all of those silos. My church is not a silo over here to itself, separate from everything else. My church is sprinkled throughout all of the other segments of society so that I can bless through you so that some of us who live more missionally think about it this way I church church becomes a verb at that point I church at the YMCA where I go down there and I seek to be a blessing to the guys I work out with every week I church at my rotary club where I rub shoulders with people every week in a variety of projects and meetings so that God might bring blessing to them through me I church at the Starbucks that I frequent so that I get to know some baristas and hang out with them and be a blessing to them. In fact, one guy took that so seriously that he determined he wasn't going to spread his business around to a variety of coffee shops. He had a Starbucks that was really close to where his office was, and he was just going to go to that one because he was going to build some relationships with those baristas. He'd go in there several times a week. Now, when you start thinking about what do I do with my money, what do I do with my budget, see, if God's directing that, then go and spend four bucks for a coffee three or four times a week. Who cares if God's directing that? And this guy would go in there three or four times a week, and he would get a coffee, and he would just kind of, you know, when it was a little slower in the store, engage some of them in conversation. How's it going? What's happening with you? And he would take some of his work with him, and he would go sit over in a corner, and he would sip coffee and pray for the baristas and do a little bit of work. And they'd get a break. And some of them would come over and sit by him and talk to him a little bit more. And occasionally some of them would share their problems with him. And he'd say, you know, what? I'm going to pray for you about that. And then he'd come back later and check with them about what he had prayed for about them. This is going on for weeks and for months. One day, he was in another part of town, and a friend had asked him to meet at a different Starbucks. So, okay, so he's meeting a friend there. He goes into a different Starbucks, and as is his habit, he makes his order, and he comes over here, and when the barista gets ready to hand him his order, he says, you know what, I'm going to be saying a prayer in a moment. Is there anything I can pray for you? I want to pray for God to bless you. And at that, the barista took the coffee back 
and said, do you normally hang out at the Starbucks around the corner? <laughs> and he goes, well, as a matter of fact, I do. He goes, I've heard about you praying for the people over there. Yeah, will you pray for me? And, and the guy's like, am I going to get my coffee? <laughs> His reputation had preceded him, though, just because he cared, just because he was available, just because he was a conduit of the blessings of God. In fact, one of the 19-year-olds that worked in uh, the Starbucks he kind of adopted. It wasn't a literal adoption. It was more of an emotional adoption because there wasn't much family life going on for this guy. And he comes up on his birthday. And this guy throws a party for him on his birthday. He's the only one that threw him a party. See, that's the way that plays out. And so I'm wondering, will you continue to reflect on the greatness the goodness of God. And as you are living in that, will you respond to his pinches, to his stirrings, to his promptings, to the thoughts that he puts into your mind? And I'm going to ask you if, you, if you'll do it just another three times this week. Just, God, pinch away. Just any time you want to touch me, any time you want to stir me, I want to respond to what you're up to. And we're going to give you an opportunity because next week we're going to talk about God is great, God is good, let us thank Him. And so we're going to give you another opportunity to share a story or two and we're going to thank Him. But before you get here, why don't you tell somebody in your small group, hey, here's what God ended up doing with me this week. And celebrate that in your small group before you even get here next Sunday. Let's pray together. So, Lord, you are up to good things with us. And we confess we don't always see it for the goodness that it is. Sometimes it impacts us in difficult or painful ways. But, Lord, you're great. You're good. You've already laid out all of our days Oh, God, help us by your power to be faithful today with what you're up to. And when we get to Monday, to be faithful with that day with what you're up to. And then the next and then the next. Oh, God, the, uh, the stories that you're carrying out, the plot line, the adventures, the journey. Grace us to live it well. In Jesus' name.